All right, hello, what's going on? Rich Ryan here, bringing you a Torque Talk. Today, we are talking about the Spartan Race World Championship in Abu Dhabi. We have Mark Adet, Logan Broadbent, and Sean Stevens. We're all talking about the men's race. So we just get their insights on what happened out there, some of the unforeseen factors that played into the race, and just a really cool uh, zoomed out look at the entire thing that this unprecedented race happened in Abu Dhabi. So I hope you enjoy it. We're going to get the women's race with Annie Doobie up for you next week and hopefully something fun, uh, just kind of covering the race and the season at large later on this week for you. All right. So here we go. What's up, fellas? What's up, dude? Hey, Logan. How are you feeling? I got my tea. I'm good, man. I'm good. I got my tea here. I uh, still haven't gotten my voice back from uh, from Abu Dhabi, so I apologize, but uh, can't seem to get over this one. This is not for Are effect. You? This is real life. This is this is real. This is real deal. I'm not <laughs> not trying to sound uh, not trying to sound sexy over here. And we're recording um, almost exactly a week after the race, right? I guess it was. Yeah, yeah it was Friday for for you guys. So Friday evening that you guys. So it's actually Saturday that we're recording now. So it's been eight days since since the race. So you guys are back. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Mark, how are you feeling, man? Did I uh I didn't get you sick, did I? So I I got home at three three AM on Monday morning and went straight to work and I felt fine. You know, I was a little tired, a little jet lagged. Um, but then I I woke up Tuesday morning and just felt awful. Like bad enough that I, I went and got like a rapid uh, COVID test just to, you know, make sure I wasn't going to bring it into, bring it to work. You know, I, I was negative there. Um, and I, I got tested again just to confirm, but yeah, the Tuesday, Wednesday, I felt pretty poor. Um, and then I bounced back the last couple of days, but not sure if I got what you had. Um, uh, but I, one thing that did cross my mind is I don't, if you felt as bad as I did, while we were out there, I have no idea how you pulled off that that performance. <laughs> you need to adjust it—a sick adjustment scale, like pl- like plus or minus three minutes. Oh, we should, man. I think three I to five. Me, yeah. That puts me a little a little further up up the leaderboard, but like uh, one place. Yeah. I'll take I'll take whatever I can get at this point. That was a that was a rough race, and uh, yeah, I had to dig deep because I was definitely not feeling well. I know Mark had just piles and piles of sand in his shoes by the finish so i don't know how much extra weight he was carrying around but it was uh <laughs> it was like it was, it was something yeah, yeah it was it was uh it was it was kind of what we expected so when you guys got there i, I actually haven't really talked to you guys at all i haven't gotten much of the story of like how it all went um, or the race really i just from what i could patch together and how and like just different things that i've heard a little bit here and there um so what was it like? So Logan, you stayed at the venue for one night or two nights. You got, did you guys, how long were you guys at the actual venue? I think we were both there for what? Three nights, Thursday, Friday. Well, actually, actually, I guess two nights and two then nights. yeah, Thursday night, Friday night. Okay. And then Saturday we actually had to leave right after the team race and head back to Abu Dhabi because uh, Mark and I had a 2 a.m. flight. Um, I guess technically Sunday morning, Saturday night, uh, to get out of there. So, um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't know that we would have spent another night if we had another night to spend there. I think we probably would have gotten back to the city as quickly as possible at that point. What was it really like at the, the night before? 
the before the race, the Thursday into the Friday. Mark, you want to take this one? Yeah, I, I guess I can take this one. So we we got out there right as the the sun was going down on Thursday evening, and we know the the drive out there was about two and a half hours from the airport. And as we got closer, really like an hour out from the venue, I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. It was just, we just had sand dunes for as far as you could see on both sides of the road. And we're like, wow, this is really going to be like out there. Um, and we weren't seeing any other vehicles on the road. Then we pull into the venue and there's like thousands of vehicles and like definitely more infrastructure than we, we were envisioning. And you know, it was the, the 50th anniversary of, you know, the unification of the Emirates um, and the establishment of the UAE. So these guys were not working for the entire week. So they were out there to celebrate and their celebration includes loading into four wheel drive vehicles and plowing through the, the dunes. And we were, we were kind of out there in their spots um, and they weren't happy about it. So all night long, we just had vehicles circling around the tents that we were staying in. We had people um, revving engines, you know, peeling out, just doing burnouts in the, in the parking lot. Um, like sounded like gunshots at time, like screams. And it was, it was just like a, a wild night. Um, and it really wasn't until about, what would you say four in the morning, Logan, that things kind of yeah. settled down and, and then they decided to go to sleep. Um, Probably after that even. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, the second night, I think at 5 a.m., somebody like just sat right outside of our encampment and just revved their engine as loud and as long as they could. They were probably out there for 15, 20 minutes. I was too lazy to get up and throw something at them, but uh, uh, but I considered it. I, I strongly considered that for a while. So did it seem like it was just a straight up effort to disturb you guys like that? The peop- that like that was a place where they would go or was it or do you think they would have been doing that anyway? At first, at first, I thought not, right? At first, I thought, no, this is just what they do. You know, they're just out here having a good time, dune bashing, probably something any of us would have done if we didn't have a race that weekend or something. Um, but, uh, but by the second night, it felt, it felt much more int- intentional. Uh, and I think because we had blocked off a large part of the dunes that they really enjoy bashing or driving on. And, um, and so, uh, you know, you have a lot of people from outside of the country during their national holiday. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. they just wanted to, uh, to make it a less enjoyable experience for, for, for most of us. Mark, would you agree? Yeah. They, and I think they definitely succeeded. Um, especially <laughs> when, when Logan and I, uh, arrived with, with David, we, we kind of shared the tent Spartan. We had like a very specific area that we had to, we had to stay in. Um, because there was contracted security, um, and I'll put that in air quotes, um, that, you know, was supposed to control access in and out of the area that we were staying staying in. Um, however, when we showed up to our assigned tent that had our names on it, we walk in, and uh, clearly someone had been squatting in there because all the beds were, you know, disheveled. People had been sleeping in there. There were um, cigarette butts all over the floor, mm. uh, food. Yeah. It was just... It definitely did not a, smell, smell definitely good at all. Definitely a Goldie, Goldilocks moment. Somebody <laughs> slept in all of our beds and, yeah. and smoked all of our cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See which ones. These are menthols, too strong. <laughs> right, right. Just trying to find the right one. Um, okay, so like 
and the tent situation itself were was it a, like I know that what you guys were kind of told and what the kind of the feeling like you know the joke of like fire festival type of things like oh this actually could be a disaster like we might we shouldn't necessarily think that we're gonna get what we're what is being pitched to us and it t- sounds like you you didn't get that were you was it upsetting was it annoying or was it just like oh okay yeah like of course this is what it looks like I think we went in with pretty tempered expectations, right? Uh, Leading into it, just, you know, um, we knew we were there to race and to to compete. And so, you know, at the same time, you know, we had accommodations covered, you know, we we weren't paying for it. So we didn't expect it to be a a luxury resort by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah. And so with that, we had electricity. Um, there were some tents where they had actual AC, uh, and that was for the local, I guess the local volunteers or something. We had actually tried to move into one of those tents after we saw that we had squatters in our tent. And, um, and then later that night, security came by. They're like, no, sorry, you got to go back up the hill, you know, or you got to go back to the, to the, uh, unair conditioned tents. So, uh, we got to enjoy that for a couple, couple hours. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it, there was one plug for electricity. So we kind of took all of our adapters and like stacked them together and were able to make that manage, uh, make that work. But, uh, but no, it was, it was pretty much what we expected. It could have been worse. It definitely could have been worse. We could have been in like popped up, pop up tents or something. And yeah, that would have been a little rougher. <laughs> yeah. I, su- I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. It's a good attitude. And when I think about the two of you in a sen- scenario like that, <clears throat> like, I feel like it wouldn't really deter your mindset. Like just knowing both of you individually, I think you could both be like, all right, like whatever, like this is fine. Uh, But like dirt, it seemed like it was not that fine just with all of the things that were kind of mixed together. So like, say like in those, like the sleepless night before the race, how hard or easy was it to try to keep your focus on the task at hand or as opposed to worrying about how your performance is going to be affected. Right. Because like everybody was like essentially um, experiencing the same thing, but it's still when it's you like laying there getting terrible sleep, was it hard to like keep focus on the actual event? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Personally, I think, you know, I had traveled, just to get into Abu Dhabi, I'd been traveling for over 30 hours. Um, so like the night before a race is, is generally doesn't concern me, um, quite as much as like the time leading up to it. Um, I think I just had, you know, I had bigger (laughs) worries at that point. Um, I got, we got crammed into like, most of us were in like center row seats, um, with like very little leg room. And, uh, personally, like I had, like my legs had had like swelled up, like had like zero definition in my legs. Um, when I, when I got there. Um, and so like, I was more worried about, um, like those types of things than I was like the, the sleep, uh, the night before the race, I didn't feel like that was really going to affect my performance. I did get, you know, the swelling came down a little bit, um, the next day. Um, but it was, it was a good like lesson learned for me that, it's very difficult to travel for 30 plus hours 
arrived the day before a race. Um, so I arrived on Thursday morning. We raced mm. on Friday um, afternoon. And I think just an extra 24, 36 hours on the ground would have made would have made all the the difference for me personally because the the team event i felt like a completely different person than i did uh the day before in the in the individual event but i wouldn't say like i was laying there in bed just thinking like oh man i'm not going to be able to perform tomorrow i was um i was like man i've I've already been going you know for two days straight traveling here like i'm like it's happening tomorrow regardless and uh you know, I should be well, somewhat well rested because I haven't done anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it seems like, um, like Atkins, Annie got there earlier too. I think she was there on like mm-hmm. a, like the, on a Tuesday. It seems like Atkins and Lindsay were there a whole week ahead of time, which I, I, I'm sure would really be helpful. I mean, I, I bet their circadian rhythm was all jacked and had to deal with that for a while, probably more than you would have had to Mark, where you just kind of got there and got whatever rest you could. And then, you know, you have to race, um, but I could imagine if you had the if you had the ability to go, which a lot of athletes wouldn't that early, like it would definitely definitely help. Uh, Logan, yeah. when did you start feeling like shit? Um, pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much just as I was starting to travel. Um, you know, if I felt that way, I wouldn't. You, normally, I wouldn't. You know, get on the plane. I had been PCR tested and everything, um, so I knew you know, I didn't have COVID, but I wasn't even sure whether or not, um, I was actually sick or whether it was just like allergies or, or whatever. Uh-huh. And then, um, uh, and then CVS lost my PCR test. And so then I had to pay somebody to drive to Chicago on my layover and take a quick swab, get it to the facility and get it tested and processed right away. Uh, so I can get on my flight to Istanbul. Um, but pretty much, you know, that flight started feeling, worse and worse um and then uh pretty much the next night so after i arrived in uh abu dhabi it must have been wednesday at 2 a.m um uh me and a couple other athletes that were on my flight went checked into a hotel and then um and then i had to go pick up david Megida like pretty soon thereafter so didn't really sleep at all that night mm. um picked up david at sunrise right i'd gotten in at 1 a.m into abu dhabi got out of the airport by 2 a.m and then you know by 6 a.m i was picking him up and um uh and then yeah so that was basically an all-nighter uh after a long long flight um so there i started to feel pretty pretty junky um and then uh and then it was david's idea to kind of stay up the whole the whole day and like not go to bed you know until like that night and that whole day we spent like going to you know sightseeing around abu dhabi going to the louvre going to the dubai expo which is like the world expo going to the burj khalifa all of that fun stuff having dinner with friends uh then we came all the way back and uh we're planning to crash. And so that whole day I started really getting worn down. And then Mark was getting into the airport. I was supposed to go pick up Mark from the airport. I guess what would have been Thursday morning at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. or whatever. And I just texted, we texted Mark or like, Hey man, do you mind getting a, a Lyft or an Uber? Um, because we, we like desperately need sleep. Uh, so we ended up sleeping, you know, talked to Mark when he got in the hotel room for like, you know, 20 minutes or something. And then, um, 
Uh, and then the next morning we did quick sightseeing and then popped straight out to Abu Dhabi. And at that point, you know, during the drive and everything, I was kind of feeling all right. But that night, like that evening, I started losing my voice. Like the day before the race, I started feeling, you know, much weaker and, uh, um, you know, and then the day of, I kind of just, you know, acted like everything was fine. Like kind of <laughs> just said, oh, it's just a voice or whatever. But I knew that I was feeling slow and sluggish and, and pretty weak. And I just said, Hey, you know, we're here. You got to keep mental, you know, positive attitude, act like nothing's wrong. And, um, uh, you know, and sometimes you can trick yourself into feeling fine and doing well in a race. I think I kind of did that coming back from the Maldives previously mm -hmm. after a long trip to OCR worlds. Um, but, uh, uh, but this was a different story, definitely different environment, unfamiliar climate, unfamiliar environment. And, um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely paid for it during the race, but, uh, but I dug pretty deep, you know, to try to try to keep up with this guy, but I couldn't, um, you know, kind of took off on me and, uh, um, but, but, you know, kind of trying to hang in there in the top 20. So, oh yeah, it sounds like your body just had enough. It's like, all right, we, you can only not sleep for so long. It's like, we got to shut some things down here to make sure everything else is running. Okay. Um, so yeah, it just seems like a byproduct of the circumstance and like in, like in your typical life too, you know, you know, you do a lot of stuff, you know, like your day to day. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like then the stacking on crazy travel and, and no sleep right. on top of it. So you're probably on that tightrope often. So, I mean, and that's just like, there's nothing you can really do about it. Like, exactly. would, you have, would, you have, would you have slept earlier? You think? if, if you had to do it over, like when you look back like, man, I would like, is there anything you think you could have done? Yeah. To I would have, I would have texted, I would have texted David McGee and told him to get an Uber. Told his ass to get an Uber too. Time. Picked up Mark and said, <laughs> David's just over there talking. He was racing on Saturday. I know. I know, man. Come on. So, uh, no, I probably would have gotten more sleep that night. Right. When I gotten in, um, try to sleep in until 10, 11, maybe that would have held it off at least, or like, you know, at least, um, you know, help, keep me from really really feeling it um but otherwise there's not a whole lot you can do when they're yeah. booking the flight for you they tell you when you're gonna arrive you know if i had gotten there earlier like we were discussing if i'd gotten there a week earlier i think i would have had more time to relax to you know get plenty of rest and um you know and be more acclimated but uh but that's that's just not realistic for most of us um, right exactly with, uh, with exactly. jobs and families and everything else Right. So right, last thing about, like, I want to talk about the race. I do, but last thing about like the actual, like whole situation. And I'm interested on, on what both of you guys have to say about this, because um, like, I would imagine that in your day-to-day -day lives, both of you guys work on like on logistics a lot, like making sure all the moving pieces of your work life and family life are in place. So like details are probably important to you. So do you think like having this event on this weekend was just, something that they didn't know was going to happen and they didn't foresee it being an issue or was it like, was it a lack of uh, attention to detail or was it just that they didn't think it would be an, an issue on like a judgment call and like all like, and the same with like the tents, like the squatters and things like that. Do you think it was just like a lack of resources or do you think it was just like, poor planning and they should have done it some a different time i would i don't i would would guess that the abu dhabi sports council um recommended 
or maybe even directed that uh, we hosted this time. Maybe they were seeing this as like a, as a, you know, a contributing event Mm. towards the, you know, the celebration. And I think maybe that was off um, a little bit and it was not well received because, because likely the Abu Dhabi sports council, like those guys are out of the city. Um, And then you got to think we were two and a half, three hours out there. So we're kind of working with, you know, we're surrounded by more of a local population. Um, So kind of one of those like probably tone deaf decisions made by someone in a, uh, a position of authority back in the city. Mm. Um, and then we were affected by, you know, people who didn't, who did not receive it, um, as a, uh, a way of like, uh, an enhancement. Celebrating. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't really see the loud music and the lights and the fireworks and everything is like, as part of their celebration, they just saw us as more of a, you know, a hindrance on their celebration. And Foreigners coming in. Exactly. Like, they weren't there for their holiday and they probably knew that, you know, it's like, okay, exactly. great. Yeah. And just one thing to add to, right. uh, to what Logan had mentioned earlier, just to give you an idea of how bad he was feeling is during our warm uh, we left the venue and ran down to a local drugstore uh, to see if he could find something, you know, this is like 20 minutes before the, the race starts <laughs> to see if he could find something to pop, like in this local, um, you know, drugstore where you probably can't even read half the, um, the bottles in there, but that's how poor he was feeling. I don't know. There's not many, you have to be feeling pretty bad to go into a uh, foreign country and looking at, give me some drugs. And, and I was that, taking it. I was taking it as long as I could. I was taking it as long as I could, but, uh, you're probably going to fail yeah, drug and, tests from, from now until forever. <laughs> right. Who knows? Who knows, who knows what I'm taking? But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to, to that point, like, or just around the planning and everything, I, I don't know that anybody could have anticipated, right. All the issues Mm -hmm. that we ran into. Um, you know, I think anytime you're planning an event of this size, I think you underestimate the amount of logistics, the amount of planning, um, you can't over communicate, you can't over prep, you can't do, uh, do anything enough. And, um, and so, you know, whether it was the lead up to the event or the planning of the event itself and the execution, um, probably just could have used more of everything, right. Mm -hmm. More staff, more, um, more days, right. More time to prepare, uh, more equipment. A lot of the equipment got stuck on a barge, you know, out in, uh, the Persian Gulf or something, right. It wasn't able to be unloaded. Like a lot of supply chain issues we've had. Um, but I think they they probably shipped that stuff three months in advance and still didn't make it there, you know, to the event on time. Um, there are just certain things that you can't plan for that you can't anticipate that you have to roll with. I think they did a good job of getting as many obstacles and, you know, getting obstacles from uh, Spartan, you know, Middle East um, and doing, doing some other things to get creative. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think there are a lot of lesson lessons learned that hopefully, they'll be able to, uh, you know, to fix right going into next year um, when it's in the same country, maybe a different location. I think, uh, um, yeah, there just wasn't enough of anything in, in a lot of ways in water. And if they got, if, I mean, if the tire was stuck on that barge, good. The tire flip, we're Leave fine. It. Leave it there. Leave it. I don't want it. Throw it off the, throw it into the ocean. 
It's fine. Although it would have been, it would have been dry, but it probably would have been like you, you could have dug a hole, but you could have dug that hole in sand probably pretty easy. <laughs> dig deep. Today would have been the that would have been the day probably. But you know what? We don't want it back here. We don't want to see it like yeah. West Virginia. Keep it up. You know the the one thing we didn't mention is with all of the um, everybody revving their engines and peeling out and drifting over in the corner of the dunes and everything. You have to remember, like we are in a low lying area of the dunes. So we're surrounded by taller dunes all around us. So mm. all of the exhaust, all of the carbon monoxide, all of the the fumes right from those cars were getting trapped down in the dunes. And there wasn't a lot of wind to kind of blow it out. Mm. So I, I think there was, you know, you can smell like the exhaust and everything, which for me, I think had more of an effect than even the lack of sleep. Um, I don't know if everybody noticed it as much as I did, but that was something that uh, that I didn't consider. Um, and the fact that there are lights on like all night, right? There are a lot of lights around the parking lots and stuff that were that were just on, you know, pretty much the entire night until early morning. So uh, uh, just a couple other factors that, um, you know, to give you the full experience, because I, <laughs> I know that's what you want here. All the sensory. I got the smell now. I had the audio part, the physical. Now we know how all of our senses are now primes so now we're ready to hear about the race so let's talk let's about the race it. you guys finished 14th and 16th right yeah so the top two american finishers which is something to be said about that right and like in terms of where like how the season was going for both of you and where you know we figure and we didn't really talk about this either but like where i figured you guys would be was probably in that top you know three on the best to like 10 right anywhere from, like top 10 i figured would be something where you guys would be and um leading into this race but in previous world championships i think mark you were did you guys both match what you did in 2019 or mark were you 12th and yeah i mean i, I um, did about the same in 2019 and i i know logan finished like immediately exact place me. right yeah right so you guys were like there wasn't a, a, a massive drop off in like in terms of your placement and and, and there's probably a bigger influx of uh, international talent that was there. So in terms of the result, like it wasn't terrible. Right. But like, I, how are you guys feeling about where you, where you finished? So I think there's some, I mean, there's some mixed feelings, um, and I'm sure Logan feels the same way. Um, you know, given the, the circumstances, uh, personally, you know, five weeks post, um, post Telluride and three of those five weeks I spent in the field, uh, training in the army. So, um, working, you know, 15, 16 hour shifts through the night. Um, I was on like a reverse cycle. So not ideal for preparation or recovery coming out of Telluride. So I really mm-hmm. had two weeks where I put in decent training ahead of time. So, um, I knew like I, there was some fitness in there. Um, but you know, deep down I knew like I wasn't, I wasn't where I was at two months ago, um, especially for like a beast type distance. And then you throw in, you know, the, just the, the overseas travel and all that stuff. Um, that's going to affect all of us, I, I think. So, um, but like, I knew realistically, you know, I felt like I, I had it in me to finish in the top 10, um, you know, and if, you know, if I pulled out a, a good race and, um, probably a top five performance, but like, you know, I knew I, I wasn't likely going to be in contention, but at the same time, I felt disappointed that I wasn't more in contention. I kind of went out super easy, 
Logan went out pretty hard, um, but he went for it, him and Ian. Um, and then throughout the race, I kind of just ran a very conservative and I just kind of slowly reeled in people. Um, and I felt pretty strong throughout. I was just battling um, some pretty severe pain in, in my feet um, where like it had changed my running gait and I just couldn't turn over fast enough to make up a lot of ground, but I was never, um, you know, like felt like overly fatigued or mm. like cracking or anything. I, I felt pretty strong all the way to the end. And I think in Logan, I'm not sure he's not going to say this, but he had just an incredible gutty performance because he felt horrible. He went for it at the beginning, clearly wasn't feeling well. I caught up to him on the bucket carry. And when I went by him, like he did not look good um, at all. And then he just like, didn't go away. Like, you know, a couple miles later, he passed me again. And I'm like, geez. And then, you know, we, through like miles eight through 10, 11, it was kind of like we were back and forth mm-hmm. and I would just come by and be like, my feet hurt so bad. And he'd be like, I'm feeling horrible and I'm cramping. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and then like one thing that, um, most people don't know is that in the last, really the last four miles of the race, you're, we're just running through like very open desert where you could, you could see like almost like a mile ahead of where you had to go. Um, and the course was kind of twisting and turning and, you know, Logan and I did, did the right thing. And we stayed between the course markings. We felt like, you know, you got to run here, but you could look in the distance and see that the course was going to turn right. And, um, I won't say any names, but the guys who finished directly, the two guys who finished directly ahead of me were running tangents the last four miles, um, where they would just cut all the way across the desert and I would catch them past them for them to just pass me again by cutting the essentially the course and then you just don't know who else is doing that throughout the field but i know logan and i you know we did the right thing we ran the full course um Mm -hmm. and you know i called him on it multiple times but neither one of them spoke english so we just were kind of back and forth um in different languages not understanding each other so we you know we could have been closer to that that top 10 and who knows but you know in those the seventh to 10th place where those guys doing the same. Um, and we were seeing that in the, the women were saying the same yeah. thing. We just don't know. Like, it, is it, you have to stay within like 10 feet of the course markings, but, but, you know, every, you know, every 200 meters or so you'd have, you'd have two pickets, like one on each side. So we felt like you need to hit between the two of them. Oh, oh they, so it wasn't, it wasn't like the, uh, like white tape. It was like, no, right. Uh, it. Exactly. So I can see, like, so people were probably, they were running directly to the, to the pickets instead of staying in like between to the, the next two one of them. They could see. Yeah, like you could see footsteps, right you could see footsteps that were clearly just completely cutting off like so, so they're large cutting the, sections of the course. So they're cutting the course, but they're not like jumping over the line. And well, like, Rich, so you, you've got double pickets where you, you should stay between. And then between the double pickets, you have a single rail that you should be following to those next double pickets. They would in the middle double, like so it'd be on one side. So you know, like an, another picket with a marking, an arrow, like an arrow sign yeah. and a picket. Oh, I see. And, what, and they weren't hitting, you know, the the double pickets that were on both sides of the trail. They weren't. They were skipping double pickets. Like they were going across to as far as they could see the quickest way they would run to that. The next part in the course. (laughs) 
it's like a Mario Kart trick. Yeah, I mean, it, but right. you know, it's super hard to, um, you know, to when you get a course that's that vast, yeah, and that long, like it, it's very hard to you know police that uh, for the for the entire field. And maybe that's something in an international race that they would do more or might not be policed more. Maybe it's like part of that style of racing where it is like direct line. Like it sounds like that they just ignored it. Right. And was it ignored? Was it missible or is it? Yeah. I mean, is nor ignorable. Kind of the ironic uh, part about it is that as we were leaving after the team event, one of the teams is in this uproar um, mm-hmm. over people cutting the course. And it was, literally the same guy who I was ye- like yelling at the day before. Yeah. When it's, when it's convenient. So like, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. And that's annoying. <laughs> I mean, it's so annoying. Cause what are you supposed to do? Like in that, in those circumstances did it, cause I could force like, this is something like if I saw, we'll go back to Jacksonville, 2000. 19 when woods like grab the truss and so mm-hmm. i know when i'm doing obstacles and someone's doing something like that i'll probably also like if i was behind woods in that moment i probably would have also grabbed that trust like, oh, this dude's doing i'm doing i'm gonna do that too so in the circumstances where people in this type of race are getting a clear advantage on something are you thinking like oh they're gonna get dq'd and like for me doing the right thing i'm going to have like i'm going to finish where i uh, should finish or were you like I'm going to just follow these guys. <laughs> like, this is great. And it's, this is a, a long, the back end of a grueling course. Like it'd be great if this was over sooner, you know, like, I mean, that's the, that was the, the internal battle that you have is you, you you're competitive, right. you know, there's, there's a, a very slim chance that they're going to get caught, but at the same time, right. you, know, you want to do the right thing. So, so Logan and I, we, you know, we did our best to stay between those pickets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not our job to, you know, to really enforce, uh, that's, you know, that's Spartan's job there. Um, and, and the other part about that is between the pickets where it is chewed up from running, it's significantly harder. So even, even Logan and I would pop out and try to get off the trail to run in the uh, unbroken sand. Mm-hmm. It's just way yeah. easier and you can really turn over. But then as we came up to another picket, we jump back inside, you know, and, and go between the two. I see. Um, but these guys were going across open terrain where there were zero, there were no footsteps. Like, and so that tells me that right. even if the guys ahead of us were, you know, cutting a little bit, they weren't cutting this bad. Right. Right. So yeah, it could have been happening from like fifth place all the way through. Right. And people who might not have the eyeballs right on them. And when the, then like the race mm-hmm. didn't spread out from like the top three. Oh yeah. And after that. So, yeah. And like, you might not be able to notice like one set, but, you know, 10, 10 tracks. I'm sure you could. Ugh. Yeah. So, so yeah, I kind of mixed feelings on, on the performance. You know, I, I definitely gave it what I had. I ran a clean race. Um, and, but then at the same time, I felt like I had, um, I, you know, I think a top 10 finish would have been, um, more fulfilling, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think, if I would have done just a few things differently, then I think that would have been a, a reality. But honestly, I think if Mark, I mean, so there's a number of things you could look back on. Like if Mark 
maybe hadn't run Telluride, right? But he won Telluride, right. so right, he's gonna right. run, that's his A race, right? Like, he would have been, uh, I, I don't know that he noticed it personally, aside from, like, what would obviously be the case, but um, but that took that took a strong effect on him. I think uh, him arriving literally the day before, right, the, the competition, I had an extra day to acclimate, which is good for me. Um, I, I think that had a big effect, um, you know, uh, just letting his body get reacclimated. Like I saw his ankles and how swollen they were. Like when we arrived, when we were just like sitting in the tent, hanging out. And I was like, man, I really hope that goes away before the race. Uh, I don't think it did completely like, um, and then, um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's a number of different things that, that could have gone better. You talked about our previous like performances, right. At world world championships. Um, yeah, we were kind of kind of in the same mix, but I mean, if you look back at both of our seasons, I think you'd see we've improved significantly, yeah. right from uh, from last year, the year before, or from 2019, or you know, years pre- prior, and uh, and so I think we both had that expectation that we would be uh, be able to perform, you know, in the top ten realistically, um, you know, top five hopefully, but um, uh, and Mark and I had been running together most of the season. We always finished maybe one spot away from one another, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the, throughout the entire year. So, um, we expected to kind of hopefully be able to race together quite a bit. Uh, and we did get to do a little bit of that, but, um, uh, but again, when you have the expectations that you do coming out of a season like this, we knew, I wasn't even sure if we were going to Abu Dhabi, right? I mean, it's a long trip. It would be expensive if we didn't have any assistance to get there, that sort of thing. So uh, it wasn't really a key focus, mm-hmm. I think, for either of us in the year. Um, but we still wanted to perform, right? We still wanted to do well. I think I was more fo- focused on, like, OCR Worlds. He was focused on Telluride, that sort of thing. But um, um, but we wanted that fitness to kind of carry through and, and, and get us through um, yeah. a lot of circumstances outside of that. Because, like, ideally, in with an endurance endeavor, you want the whole season to be pointed to maybe two events that are several months apart, maybe like uh, mm-hmm. fall and a spring. So when it's kind of like, I mean, Mark, you didn't even know you were going to go until like a week before, and you know, and like, to, and Logan, like your build up was a different build. Like right. it was, and then and then not even knowing if you're going to get this invite, and so like being able to plan for peak performance at a world championship level, like it's not you're not just going to do well off of just residuals, right? Everything needs to be kind of mm-hmm. turned in the right, in the right, uh, right space, which is something I didn't really think about before this. Is that like, yeah, because th- there were, I feel like a lot of the American athletes were in that same boat where it's okay. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to go, so I can't do all my training pointed for December 4th, where someone like an Atkins or Sergey or, or something like that, were like had it circled as soon as it was happening. It's like, no matter what, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. And, you know, Atkins didn't do his 24 hour events, which he would typically do leading into a problem because he had this circle because he had to train for it. Right. So there's a lot to be said about that for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Yeah. I think Rich on um, also, you know, Logan and I felt, you know, we felt the need to perform though, like regardless of all those things working oh, sure. against us, like we, we get out there, we realize there's only four American men here who made the trip. Um, you know, so it, it's on us to perform and, you know, we, we feel like, uh, you know, we still have the strongest OCR athletes in the world in the States. Um, some will probably argue otherwise now. Um, 
after seeing this, but, you know, we've kind of felt the, the need to, to get out and perform. So I think we both were a little disappointed that we weren't able to represent a little bit better. Um, and, you know, put a couple of names, you know, with the U S flag in the, in the top 10. Um, but at the same time, I know we both gave what we had. Um, and we were just, we were just beaten by some, some beasts out there like that. That field was at least internationally was, was twice as deep as we saw in Tahoe in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You gotta, you, if you just take a look at, so everyone sees the top 20 and like, Oh, I don't even recognize a lot of those names, but if you take a look, take a look at places between 20 and 30 in the field and you start seeing mm-hmm. names like Richard Hynek from mm-hmm. the Czech, who was the, the trifecta world champion from 2019 um, and routinely beats, you know, Sergey and a lot of those guys in other other type of events um and uh who else who else is back in there i know like yeah, sean. Igor was, sean was igor there was igor yeah, igor is yeah. There. yeah. Um, so you had some some absolute um stud performers that finished outside the top 20 uh just because there are some names ahead of us that no one recognized uh doesn't mean um you know we we performed poorly um mm. And then I think the other part that was a little more disappointing is, is just to get smoked by the winner. Like, I mean, Atkins had an incredible race, but to be 30 minutes back, like, you know, <laughs> we, you know we have, we have more than that. Um, and any took it to you guys. Yeah. 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 And most of the top, you know, the top uh, two or three women, you know, finished in the top 15 for the men, um, which like, which is hard. Know. It's hard to explain because, you know, we looked at that and we're like, wow, should we, should we have some of the women, you know, this is all the teams for the team race. Should we have some of the women run the, the longer legs for this relay? Because their times are faster than, you know, a lot of the top men. Um, and I think they're, I think in that type of terrain over that distance, I think a lot of them just have more efficient strides than us. Like they're just like, when you look at the footage of them, they just look very comfortable and they have like shorter more controlled, uh, like a faster cadence than us. I'd probably try to trudge through there and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. They, they ran incredible races. Yeah, they did. They really did. And the carries were no joke on this one. I mean, I, I thought the bucket was by far the heaviest bucket that I've carried right in, in a race, because I think they packed it with this dense sand as opposed to the, the rocks or, you know, gravel or whatever that they, right. that they would usually use. Right. Um, so that was, that was pretty, pretty unique. And then um, uh, a couple of pretty decent uh, sandbag carries to like up around the dunes and, um, and stuff that, that were, uh, were pretty aggressive. So Mark, you, you say you were conservative, right? Kind of feeling out and seeing how it would kind of play out and the, the field was pretty aggressive. It seemed like people kind of got out and were able to kind of, maintained seems like there was some undulation in that middle pack logan did you go out right with that lead pack like were you with top five top ten like what was it like right in the beginning yeah it was definitely um definitely went out with like top ten ish um or so and kind of uh you know kind of hung with that group i wanted to um you know i didn't want i didn't want to let the race I wasn't really sure how it would all play out over this distance and, and with the sand. So I thought I'd, you know, not go to the front 
but you know, kind of hanging that in that top uh, in that top group. And it felt like a good strategy. Um, it actually helped a little bit to follow somebody else's footprints uh, in some ways. Of course, nobody has the same gait cycle that I do or, right. or anybody right. does. Um, you know, so you kind of you kind of work with that. Um, by the time we got to the bucket carry and really it was just like a few miles in, um, when, uh, when Mark and I, when Mark kind of, you know, caught up to us, um, yeah, I was cramping, you know, already like super early. And I I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, I knew it was hot, but like, I knew I had eaten pretty well. Like I had gotten, you know, some magnesium. I had taken some, you know, electrolytes and all that. So there's no reason that I should have felt the way that I was, uh, and I should have been cramping that early and that soon. Um, you know, so I just kind of kept pushing through it, kind of pushing it off, like, okay, it'll go away, whatever, no big deal. Um, and so, you know, Mark and I are kind of racing together quite a bit. And I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm, I'm cramping left and right. By the time I got to the finish, I had to see the doctor the next day and he asked if he wanted to give me some like medicine. And he said, wait, you're not racing again, are you? And I said, uh, no, no, I don't have another race. He's like, okay, good. Because this causes like water depletion and causes cramping. Uh-huh. And he hands me the same medicine that I had been taking uh, <laughs> prior to the race. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So it was, it's not available in the U.S. It's like a uh, Middle East and I guess in, in Europe, they, they have it available. Um, but, uh, uh, but I found out I, I had been basically sabotaging myself even prior to the race. Um, but, you know, kind of kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Um, you know, Mark started kind of getting away from me. I wanted to stay with him as much as possible so we can continue to like help each other out and encourage each other. Um, but there in the last, last couple of miles, he, um, you know, started to put on a bit of a gap uh, when I was feeling it. And, um, um, you know, and then even getting the hercoise at the end, uh, if you're going to cramp somewhere, the hercoise is a pretty good place to cramp. Like it's pretty, pretty common. Yeah. And yeah. it took me, it probably took me as long as it would take me to do burpees to do the hercoise because I was trying to lock out my legs so that they wouldn't cramp as I was pulling it. And, um, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a mess, but, uh, but you know, eventually we hit the finish and, uh, I gave myself a little extra time because I knew how far the person behind me was. And so, you know, got through the final rig and, and, and finished as, as best we could. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how my race played out. When did it for both you guys, like outside of the external factors, right. That we, that we've covered and, uh, but like the race in the terrain itself, when did it dawn on you that like, when it got like real, like, I'm sure you guys went into it like, Oh, it's not going to be like any race we've ever done, but at what point of the race were like, Oh shit, this is actually like a race that we've never done. Mark, I, I think it's probably the same point for both of us. Um, what about that? Uh, that super steep dune that you and I were climbing together. And oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was wild. I, you know, the, the two climbs where you got to go like hand in, like was it like, legit like you like there was no reason yeah. like, you had to get on your hands yeah yeah, yeah like no <laughs> if you stay on your if you stay on your feet you're just gonna probably slide back more than you know you'll make less progress um and you were doing that anyway but like when we sat there and watched the open and age group waves um <laughs> the day prior there were people who were on the side of that hill you know by the spear throw i mean like for like an entire hour trying to get up there and there are people that are taking their shoes off, putting their shoes on their hands, going barefoot, you know, and Desperation. if you looked at that all day long, 
that entire hill was just filled with people and most of them weren't moving. They would like move for like a few minutes, make a little bit of progress and then just like sit down and try to This is the second one at like you came down and then you did, yeah, spear throw and then you went up something crazy, right? Was that the one that you're talking about? Yeah. The one, and it doesn't, the, the footage doesn't do the justice of how steep that is. And then the second one that we did later in the course, I don't know, maybe mile 10 ish is, is even steeper and is even more brutal in my opinion. And that's the one where they had the rope at the top because uh-huh. I mean, I think people would have been on that or maybe not even able to get up it um, mm-hmm. in some of the other waves. So that, yeah, that's definitely a good, a good, uh, <laughs> good point in the race where it got real. But for me personally, the, the first thought, the first point that came to mind was the uh, first couple miles uh, pretty rolling. And I felt like really comfortable and I was like, I, all right, I can still see everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably getting away a little more than they should, but this is a long race. I'm going to be able to, to get back into this. And then as you, as we came down into the sandbag, you go down this really steep descent that the sand is, is no joke up to your, as you're running down is like up to your calf. Like you're coming down at that speed that you're, you're putting in so much force. The sand is going all the way up to your calf, wow. um, which feels like you're kind of running in a weird type of snow or something. But as I came running down that, um, both of my shoes just filled to the brim with sand. Uh, so like the gaiters that I had been using out here, you know, were effective in more coarse type sand, but the sand was so fine there that if you had any opening on any part of your shoe and even spots that seemed like water or like um, like sediment proof, like sand would still find its way in. So the guys who had been out there for a little longer than us had figured out that you need a desert gator for one. And then even the desert gator alone doesn't, doesn't do the trick. Like you would even have to super glue, hot glue gun. So that, that gator all the way around the, the edge of your shoe. And you basically have to make it one with the shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, which Logan and I did not do. So as I ran down that hill, my gaiters completely failed and my shoes filled with sand. And when I picked up the bucket and started to run, I just was like, this is going to be a long race. You know, we're <laughs> three miles in my feet yeah. are completely packed with sand. There's, there's no chance for any of it to come out. Like I'm going to have to dig deep to, to get through this one. And it was a struggle uh, like a mental struggle the entire rest of that race of like, should I just stop, take off my shoes, uh, try to empty out the sand? No, that'll slow me down. Like they'll just like fill up put them back on. They'll fill back up. Right. Yeah. They're just going to fill back up. Right. So I went through that and then eventually you just have to like accept it and be like, you've got to power through this somehow. And that's what I, what I tried to do. Um, but clearly I wasn't, wasn't moving that well. Yeah. So from like, when you guys look at it, like gear was a big thing, right? Like if you're, if you were to go back next year, what, what are like two or three things that you'd make sure you have or didn't have, or like how you'd prepare a little bit better? Like just say like from training standpoint, from gear standpoint, just like, what would you do outside of like the travel stuff? Like if all things, all things equal. Well, it's definitely going to be, I think they're planning to move it to a different location. So I don't think it's going to be in these really deep dunes. Um, I think it'll be kind of in more rugged, 
mountainous ter terrain, maybe toward the northeast of the country, toward the, the coast of the Persian Gulf. Um, but there's probably still going to be sand because it's still the, you know, United Arab Emirates. So, um, yeah, so I would say, yeah, desert gators would be huge. So just um, to distinct, there's like trail, are there trail gators and like desert gators? These are ones that cover your entire shoe. So it, like most gators just kind of cover the top of your shoe. So like sediment from like a creek, you can't get in there or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I don't know how to describe it. You can't see the shoe anymore aside okay. from the bottom of the tread. And, um, and so, yeah, those are definitely going to have to be glued and sealed just like Mark was, was mentioning. Um, that's something you have to, you have to prepare for. I think, um, uh, man, Mark, I don't know what we could have done to prepare ourselves, uh, for some of it, but, yeah. um, I, I think shortening up your cadence was important in this case, right? That really long kind of bounding like race feel, it was more, um, as Bracken had mentioned, more of a pull than a push, um, you know, in a lot of the sand running. Um, and shortening up the cadence, I think helped, um, you know, helped you go a little bit faster. Um, and then, uh, I think, you know, Mark, you probably found something out about the shoe, the shoe type that, you know, is worth, worth considering, but, um, I don't know if you want to give that away or not, but go, go ahead. Yeah. Let you take yeah I don't, I don't mind giving it away. Um, <laughs> so on, on the in the championship race, I raced in a just a typical OCR shoe that you know had a not really a very aggressive lug, which a lug doesn't do you any good there. Um, right. Actually, some people liked it to run in a road shoe, which um, was kind of weird to see. But it, I mean, I think it provided about the same amount of traction um, that like an OCR shoe. So I, I wore I just wore an OCR shoe that I felt comfortable in. You know, I just raced a lot of races in them and you know i knew how they were going to feel on on uh z walls and you know on the on the spartan surfaces so i i just went with something you know i know what this feels like however most ocr shoes are are generally narrow um and what i found is that in the team race because my feet were so destroyed that i went to a um my hoka which i brought out um, to have just in case I elected to run in them. And I considered it like I, I ran the day before really easily in them. And I was like, Oh man, these don't feel too bad out here. I sh maybe I should race in them. I was like, nah, I'll just go with what I'm, what I'm accustomed to racing in. Cause I think these will, will take on a lot of sand. Well, I ran, I ran them the next day and it was like night and day. Were the speed goats or what were they? Yeah. I wore the Evo speed goats. Um, but the wider bulkier, um, shoe it just provided more stability on top of the of the sand i mean i think it had like the snowshoe effect yeah <laughs> allowed you to stay on top of the sand more versus you know stumbling around from side to side in that thinner um thinner shoe and i didn't notice any difference in as far as taking on the uh taking on the sand than the the other ocr shoe which i felt was a little more uh sealed off and then i think uh a lot of the top athletes wore Ryan Atkins wore the, the VJ uh, ultras, which are, are similar to a Hoka, like a wider, a mm. wider shoe, obviously that worked for him. So that I would, for the equipment. Yeah, definitely. I would wear a, a wider 
even more bulkier type shoe, I would get a, a desert gator that I would seal probably with a hot glue gun around the base of the shoe. And then I think as far as training goes, I would, uh, at the finish line, I was talking to John Alvin and he says, I, if I knew it was going to be like this, I wouldn't even run for the last few weeks. I would like live in on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I would do about the same. I would do uh, cut down the, on the running mileage. I would probably get a lot of uh, time on the bike. Just and then like I would climbing per, like, yeah, or... I think uh, like you just kind of had that, the taxing on the, on the legs seemed closer to, to like a, yeah, it was. A spin class than a uh yeah than like a a running up a a typical hill on like pavement and then i would live i think i'd put live put a weight vest on and spend a lot of time on the uh the jacob's ladder um if (sighs) if you're familiar with that because the uh that's all i could think about when i was climbing hand over foot up those uh those dunes it oh, like the, the versa climber like you've seen those right the, yeah, yeah. or like versa climber maybe yep. yeah yeah because i was actually feeling you know generally in, um a lot of the the mountainous races that we run i you start feeling uh you know the lactic acid setting into your quads and calves but i was feeling it on those climbs like straight in my glutes which hmm. like i never get to on any other type of course um and my glutes were fine time, I do a lot of glute work, so I was passing Mark on all the sand dunes. It was he was, he was like peach. he was like Spider Man on that stuff, just like <laughs> falling right by me. Every it was one huge barbed wire crawl. Logan should have oh, dominated. Um, that makes we sense. Though. Have one race, one full race of barbed wire crawl. I, I think I'll I'll do okay. Even an elliptical, like you can change the range of motion on something like that to kind of target your posterior a little bit more and just crank up the um the resistance on something like that mm-hmm. could be viable because yeah like the bike yeah i could see just like a, a lot of that but if you, if it was hitting the glutes a little bit more yeah yeah it'd be more like a power hike rough position that sounds terrible because then from you know you yeah god yeah and from a gear sim i mean mark mark nailed it like you want to you want to spread out the surface you know the pressure per square inch as much as possible when you're on top of the sand and this is something we kind of talked to, to bracken about we're like hey would a wider shoe maybe maybe help definitely definitely would and uh wider shoe higher stack um anything's going to bring on some sand but uh um you know so don't worry about like breathability or whatever right um, but yeah that that was that was big time because i i didn't run the team race, but I filmed a lot of the team race and, um, you know, filmed the, the, uh, the last part of Mark's section where he was running in from the first leg. Crushing people. Just, just, just taking names, taking lives. Everybody's in a headlock. I hadn't, I hadn't run and I couldn't keep up with him like with my (laughs) GoPro. He was moving so quick through that, through that stuff. It was, it was pretty impressive to see. It's like a freight train coming through the desert. <laughs> um, so that makes sense. And something like like an ultra is 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 wider. And that's interesting about the 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 road shoe. Do you think? I don't know if ultra makes this, but I think Hoka has some Gore Tex shoes. Would would a Gore Tex shoe help with this? Like just to, or you don't think so? You think it would no. be the same? So Sean a- Sean wore a Gore Tex. Uh, shoe that had a built-in gator. He did. Solomon. Um, 
Yeah, Solomon that yeah. went up the ankle. So for him, he said they're impenetrable, like on the shoe itself. Uh, but they still, the sand was so deep that even, you know, a, a quarter of the way up his leg, the sand would still find its way in the top. Uh, so like for the team race, I think he taped around the gator up on his leg. Oh my God. Uh, remember? To... Yeah. Remember those pajamas that we used to wear when we were really little that have like, it's just like a one piece thing with like the, the booties, like the, you know, and everything. You might have to just have something like that that have shoes like built into the bottom, like That's vibrams sewed to the bottom of them, like the toe. It's the only way, or wear some like hunter's boots or something. Like it's the only way you're not getting sanded there. That's yeah, yeah. Like one of the hey, one of the uh, one of the Emiratis at the start line uh, came rolling up, and he had taken tube socks and he'd put them on the outside, like around his shoes, up his legs. And I was like, man, maybe this guy's onto something. Um, but then he he was not one of their stronger runners. Uh, but that was one of the interesting techniques I saw. There. He was just messing with the Americans. It's like, let me see if I can convince any of these idiots to do this. <laughs> um, yeah. So overall, I mean, it had been a crazy experience. It seemed like the race itself. Like I was, I did have a little bit of FOMO. Like I, there was no chance of me even. Like I hadn't done any Spartan races all year, so I had no like interest in doing this. But then, like as people were going, I was like, oh man, this is great. But then when I saw the footage of you guys going up that second climb, I was like, I'm actually happy I'm out there. <laughs> this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm much happier sitting where I'm sitting. So, but it, it seemed like a really cool experience. Uh, if it's in the same venue next year, would you go? I know, Logan, you said it's probably not going to be, but would you do this, do this again? Mark, you want to answer that one first? Yeah, I would, I would go um, 100%. So, I'm a, you know, like Logan and I did what we we could, but there's also like some some unfinished business. If if I were to go back, you know, I think I would be prepared this time, and um, I I'm not going to finish 14th. Um, I think like after this race on the on the flight home, I started evaluating like goals for next year, and you know, national series is pretty cool, and that's always always fun. But I was like, I, I need to find a way to get back, you know, on course with that crew again, like the international crew, because yeah, I know I'm, I'm better than, I'm better than 14 amongst that, that group. So like, that's the reason why I would go back is, uh, is just to kind of, uh, you know, make things right. And, um, you know, kind of master, if you will, running, you know, a race in, in those types of conditions. Cause I know, I know I can do a lot better and, uh, Logan, do you, f- you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, we we kind of discussed it, right, al- already, um, or Mark and I have discussed it, but yeah, there's no question, 100%. I'm, you know, we we'd both go back. I, I I think everybody has something that they would like to do better, right, or or some aspect of their travel, their preparation, their race, whatever that um they think would would make a difference and people ahead of us also had things that went wrong and like had issues and everything else um so yeah without without hesitation i would um i would have to go back um i mean it was once you get out into the dunes it's beautiful like it's gorgeous it's really unique really cool cultural experience um you know the venue itself is a little bit overbuilt and like, you know, a little bit chaotic, at least that weekend of that year. Um, but, um, 
but it's all part of the experience, right? Mm. I think it's definitely life experience that uh, we'll probably probably be talking about for a very, very long time and, um, and completely worth the trip. But there's no question we both have unfinished business. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot to prove, right? Going back, you know, to the international stage, to a race of that, that size and caliber against those same people and, and seeing where we stack up, um, you know, re- realistically on, on, on our, if not our best day, at least a better day. It'd be yeah. pretty interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. And from that perspective, like yeah, you can't count on that field being in Tahoe or Killington or something like that. So like having it be international again next year, even if it's the same general area would be the best bet for you guys. So mm-hmm. love to hear it. Yep. Love yeah, to let's hear go. It. Let's go. And maybe, maybe try to get there a couple of days earlier <laughs> and do some sightseeing, maybe go see something cool. And I think the only thing Mark got to see was the, uh, the grand mosque that they have there, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. We really enjoyed that right before we drove out to the middle of the desert and, you know, hung out in our tent. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool fellas. This was great. Uh, appreciate you guys popping on being honest telling us about the the stories and yeah i'm excited for when you guys get a chance to run it back and this is the last time we'll see you this year right so mark you were talking about jacksonville uh logan are you thinking jacksonville or yeah we'll be there we'll be in jacksonville nice nice well cool fellas i might not run between now and then but you know (laughs) right yeah we'll still be there cool dudes all right well we'll talk to you soon all right see you rich see you guys all right, we're here, Sean Stevens Whale. What's going on, man? How are you? Howdy, doing well. Doing well. Still uh, just readjusting to the time, the time zone here in in Squamish. But how how long were you in the UAE? How long? Like, how long was your total trip over there? I think I calculated it that I spent more time flying and traveling than I actually spent in the country. <laughs> uh, I think I spent two and a half, three days there. So, uh, it was, it was a quick trip, but, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it was time well spent. I would have loved to have went to Dubai. I've never been to Dubai before, um, and nerd out on all the big buildings and like the Palm Islands. But, uh, yeah, maybe next time if, if it happens again next year. Do they have like the, like absolute, like universal championship at, at like of tower running in those places? Uh, so I actually went to Abu Dhabi back in 2017 to run up the Emirates uh, Tower, which is one of the tallest buildings. How big? In, uh, it's uh, 300 meters. Okay. So it's it's like, I mean, it's it's a bit taller than the Eiffel Tower. Uh, okay. it's, it's not it's not that crazy though. Um, yeah, but it was amazing. Uh, they put us up in like in in the building themselves, like five star hotel, uh, the biggest buffet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a celiac, and they had a whole table dedicated just to gluten-free like goods and, God, so. and what year what year was this uh this was 2017 so like okay. four or five years ago so it was like starting to have like the gluten-free stuff yeah. was starting to be a thing but you're probably like man i'm moving here this is this is my this is my place it, it was trending hard yeah and uh yeah i just remember like purposely avoiding the buffet before the race and uh and just like spending my whole day in the buffet. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Got to take advantage. So the the track. So we're here. We're talking about it. Spartan Race World Championships. 
in Liwa. We're, we're not going to call it Abu Dhabi, not where it was. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So the travel itself was definitely one of the biggest obstacles, and I, I think we're getting a lot of the stories that are kind of coming through. I don't want to spend too much time talking about like. What, what what it was like at the venue or this and that because it seems to be pretty well documented but like one thing that i'm curious about about how that shifted mindset for you if it did mm -hmm. at all because i'm sure laying in bed not being able to sleep like it, you have to start thinking about how it's going to affect your performance even though the person sleeping next to you affects them in the same way mm -hmm. but still i would i would imagine it's hard not to not to go there did you have any of those thought, like just based on the circumstances that were out yeah. of your control, was it like hard to kind of stay positive? Totally. Well, I remember, uh, like before the race, um, you and you and Kraken were on a, on a, a call with us, uh, talking about, um, like what to expect. And, uh, someone made the point that like the race is going to be determined before the start line. And, um, I think for many people it was, uh, for me personally, I've, um, I didn't come into the race super fit i i had a knee injury for a full month leading up to it so i hadn't mm. been running at all um i had zero expectation so for me i realized that especially the communication i was getting with spartan before the race it was terrible and it sort of alluded to the fact that um they probably weren't as prepared and organized as uh we would have liked <laughs> um <laughs> so when i yeah, when I got there, I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. I was fortunate uh, to take to bring sleeping pills with me. Um, I mm. I was tenting with uh, Austin Azar and Jesse Bruce, and uh, Austin actually brought some sleeping. Uh, I think he brought melatonin, um, and I had like nitol, and so uh, the first night that was the the Thursday night, so the race was on Friday. So the Thursday mm -hmm. night, the night we got there, uh, we mixed and matched. <laughs> so <laughs> me and Austin and Jesse didn't take anything. And uh, both Austin and I were able to sleep for like five hours, despite the yeah. uh, the craziness that happened. And so honestly, I was like super stoked on that. I, I know Jesse was like fuming all night um, and he didn't get up get a week of sleep but uh he's probably ripping through your bags trying to find because that's like your um melatonin is like a, a natural occurring hormone that, that that's not necessarily going to be um a sedative right like it's not gonna make you drowsy but the things that you're talking but that you brought i think would yeah. right that you you will it will make you fall asleep yeah um i i feel like it was the combination too of like the nitol and the melatonin that mm -hmm. really uh like enhanced the effect well, well, with melatonin, like a, a good place to use that is with uh, like cross time zone flights where your circadian rhythm does get jacked up. Yeah. So your, your hormones cycle, your daily hormone cycle does get kind of out of whack. So it's actually pretty smart to have something like that with you. Totally. Hmm. I haven't heard of anybody else doing that, which we should have probably been on the checklist. We probably should have talked about that. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a good idea. Um, like... I don't think any of us knew just how much of a shit show it was going to be when we got there. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I think like noise canceling headphones, some people had those, they, mm -hmm. they said it helped, but they said it, it wasn't enough. Um, like the, the noise that the buggies were making was just too much on top of that. It sounded, it sounded like it was really aggressive. And yeah. so 
then I didn't re- I didn't realize you had had an injury like that. I don't think we had talked too much about your knee feeling. Not what would you have going on? Uh, yeah, probably not. Um, I don't know. I like to keep the injuries more on the DL, just, just so you can be like, just so you can like push through them. No, so no one can tell you to stop running. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I I've learned my lesson. I'm I'm old enough to know that that's uh, that's in the long term not gonna not gonna be beneficial. But <laughs> right. uh, I think just um, I don't like making excuses before the race. At least uh, true. It's not gonna it's, it's not gonna help, right? It's if not gonna, gonna go there. All, yeah. You're gonna go and race. Yeah. What's it matter? Totally. So I picked up a knee injury at Squamish fifty which was the week before the Spartan Blue Mountain race right. in Ontario. Um, and so after Squamish, I was kind of hobbling around, um, was kind of looking for what I could uh, use coming into uh, Spartan because I needed to race well at Spartan to win the national series. Um, and so I had a knee brace. I was taking just some some like Advil and some drugs. And uh, the knee just started coming around uh, by race day. And I was like, okay. It's good enough to run, <laughs> uh, but the the Blue Mountain race was like really unrelenting. It was uh, literally up and down a ski hill for twenty kilometers, and so after that, my knee was buggered up for four weeks, and mm-hmm. it was only the week before the Spartan race that I was really able to get back to running, somewhat pain free, not quite, but uh, to a to a point where I felt like I wasn't injuring it anymore. So, so do you think if and and when we, when we were talking, it was like like have you heard anything from these guys like i feel like you should have a a ticket there and it was kind of uncertain if that was if you were going to be extended an invitation even though it's like yes you've you're been on the pro team and just the canadian series champion it's like okay like if they're gonna have a world championship they should have this country represented totally. there like you should definitely yeah. you should be the you should be there and yeah. but it's it didn't really come around until a couple weeks before you even went and even talking. And like you said, the communication wasn't great. It wasn't sure if it was like actually Spartan that anybody was talking to, or just like some random, like, like catfishing emails. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always wary of those. Yeah. But, uh, would you think you would have changed your training? Like say if you would have known in, uh, July that you were going to race in December, how do you think that that would have changed things? Um, you know what? I'm not really sure. I, I think the, like the Canadian series would have always been my focus. Um, the world championships, like as soon as, as soon as it was announced, I think that was back in like 2019 that it was going to be in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I knew like that was not going to be my specialty. Like sand running um, does not cater to someone who has a running stride like I do, who's very on their forefoot. Uh, and the heat is something that uh, living in Squamish where there's like four inches of snow on the ground right now uh, is, is kind of hard. And then the time change, it's 12 hours. So literally the exact other side of the world. Right. <laughs> um, it was it was not going to be a priority either way, but obviously um, might have made some minor adjustments. I think racing back to back weekends, the Squamish 50 into Blue Mountain was a, was a poor decision and obviously led to the injury, which uh, inhibited me from training for a full month leading up to the race. Uh, and so maybe making some concessions might have might have been smart. But uh, I think overall, like not. I kind of had my fall race season planned out and I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it went overall anyways. Mm-hmm. So, um, in general, I'm like, you know, it, it was a perk. It was a, it was a nice bonus to be invited. Um, I, I, I remember actually not getting the invite. Well, not hearing back from them, uh, into like the end of October. And then I reached out to you and you're like, Hey, you're the, <laughs> you're the Canadian Spartan champion. You should send them another message and uh, see what's going on. And then uh, a couple days later I get a text message 
um, just one of from like one of the random like Spartan numbers saying, uh, <laughs> enter your flight information. You have a four night stay and flight to Abu Dhabi. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I enter it all and then I never hear back from them. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if social security numbers in there. Yeah. Like yeah. My passport. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I put everything in there. So, uh, anyways, and yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's one thing that I would be curious about this race, right? It, it seemed like it was that for a lot of people and it did kind of come at the last, like, like anything that's, I would say anything that's like eight weeks and less is kind of a last second race in terms of preparation. Yeah. And since the travel was very uncertain for a lot of people. I think that I would have liked to see what the results, how it would have changed things if this was the priority event for everybody in it, you know, totally. because it didn't, it, 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 there was, I mean, I'm sure it was Atkins. I'm sure it was like Sergey Perelligans and, you know, Lindsay's and all that, but it didn't feel like it was that for many of the North American athletes. So I would have liked to see like how that could have changed things. Would, um, we had a would, very small contingent. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have gone earlier? Like if it was your A race, what would you do? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think flying, like it's, it was from here in Squamish, uh, getting to Vancouver, to Toronto, Toronto, to Frankfurt, Frankfurt, to Abu Dhabi. Uh, <laughs> just that was over 30 hours. Um, and then I had to get a hotel that night. Then I came back to catch the shuttle to the race site and uh, the shuttle was late. It broke down, had to get on another shuttle and then the new shuttle got lost. Uh, and so it was like another four or five hours. So it's like, oh my God. it's like one and a half days full of travel. And then I get to the race uh, less than 24 hours before the start. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal obviously, but uh, again, I think having that mindset of being like, this is okay. I, I'm not putting any pressure on this is probably the way to do it. If you are in a situation like that. Totally. Yeah. It's almost fortunate. I, I, if, if all your eggs were in one basket and the shuttle got lost, I, I would, I would have been furious. I mean, like this is craziness, <laughs> even though it's like, there's nothing you could do. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's energy. That's poor energy spent, you know, just totally. having yeah. to worry about something like that. So, Getting into the race and, and, and an aside, like running mechanics aside, like, yeah, I agree. Like on your forefoot, you're probably not going to get as much, you know, ground contact or however, like you would, or as much like forward propulsion as you would think someone that's, yeah. uh, on landing a little bit further uh, and they're on their, to the back of their foot and kind of towing off, but you're an awesome climber. Did yeah. anything in like your mind, like, and let's, and let's with that in mind, because like you are like, have a pedigree style runner, one of the best climbers probably in the sport, I would imagine. Um, they should, that'd be cool if we did an obstacle course vertical K where it was oh, like, man. yeah, they're like some monkey bar, like there's like two obstacles or something, and the rest is just like getting over a wall, or like a barbed wire or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, we should make that happen. I bet we, I bet we could get uh, Hammond around like his head around that. He'd be, oh, he'd be into that, like that. He yeah, that for sure. Yeah. On, on a Tahoe weekend, just make a vertical K out of it too. Um, but if there was a vertical K, just a flat out vertical K, you'd probably be, how many people do you think could beat you in OCR realistically, not like brag and just like, yeah. like in a, in a regular OCR race at like a North American championships. How if many if it wasn't, if it wasn't at altitude, yeah. um, John Albin, 
that's the only one that you're sh- like, yeah, like for sure. Right. Everybody else like m- you might be able to get. Yeah. Right. So this race, when <laughs> looking at those climbs was crazy. When you started the race, how, when did you, at what point were you like, Oh, okay. This is not like any race I've ever done before. Was it like the first step? Oh yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I like, I warmed up on the course and, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I've run in sand before. I, I knew what to expect, uh, um, in the sense that it's just going to suck all your energy. And, uh, I know a lot of people adjusted their stride. Uh, a lot of people made, uh, informed and smart shoe choices. Uh, and I think, yeah, there's no, unless you train in sand, there's really no way to like fully prepare for it. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, um, I honestly think maybe cycling training might be beneficial beforehand, just, uh, giving you some strength in the quads, uh, in the glutes going into it and so you can power more through like that midfoot what about Um, stairs i i think personally i don't think stairs would be that helpful because stairs are very like four foot heavy i guess you have some quad in that but um i I really do think uh like foot strike is is very important as well as just shoe choice uh and um i know I, i was talking to mark after uh after saturday and he he switched shoes he had a pair of quite narrow shoes on on the Friday championship race, and then in the in the team championship, he wore a wider pair, and he said it was like night and day, and hmm. how much uh, how much like pr- propulsion he was getting through the sand. So, what, what did think, you wear? I wore a really thin pair of uh, Solomon shoes, uh, and so they were they're Gore-Tex with the Gator the too. Yeah. No, I didn't even need a Gator on them. Uh, they they were already uh, Gore-Tex, and so they they didn't have any sand entering them. I, I just put uh, put a piece of tape actually just on, on top of the, the shoe uh, between that and my sock and that seemed to work. So I had that question for, for uh, Mark and Logan. I was talking to them. I was like, do you think Gore-Tex? Because if water can't get in the Gore-Tex, I mean like sand ain't getting in there. Yeah. So like th- that worked. It worked. Uh, the only issue was um, I didn't realize the tongue of my shoe went as deep into my shoe as it did. <laughs> and mm. so sand was actually it, it was like the finest sand you've ever seen and it was able to like anywhere where there's a hole sand's going to be in there hmm. and so uh the the toe of the shoe did have some sand but it wasn't it was it wasn't with my foot it was in another compartment so, so so it wasn't affecting like mark had a tough time with much. with his feet like he said like his feet were his main limiter because he was just like running on top of mountains of sand like inside and, of his yeah. shoe I know a lot of people were Austin came, came out of the race with like a couple black toes. Um, and I, I think that was the general consensus was uh, there are a lot of bruised toes. So Gore-Tex is good. At, so would you do a Gore-Tex shoe with a gator? If it was like a Watt, like a Hoka or yeah. an ultra Gore-Tex yeah. plus gator. I would never wear an ultra because I think they're a silly, stupid shoe, but they're, I would definitely wear you bite a, your a tongue. Um, but a Hoka you would do, but I, I would definitely wear a Hoka. I think if I could race again, I would go with a Hoka and get a Gator over top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they make they... some Gore-Tex, do they? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't know the full line. I would even think like the Zanel, which is like an eight ounce. It's a, it's a very light, uh, Hoka shoe. And then just hmm. get a Gator over top of that. Um, that's probably what I would go with if I could race again. Yeah, and I think it at. would. 
I think it would make a huge difference, honestly. Like, I, I, I would be speculating, but 10 to 20 minutes, like, maybe even. Like, really? It's hard to say, but uh, yeah, the, the shoe choice, I feel like, was the, was the number one, um, the, the number one decision that would make or break your race. Number one, like, external factor for external sure. Factor, like, yeah. What was it a myriad of shoe choices at the start line? And were you looking at other people's like, Oh shit, should I be wearing those? Oh, should I have that? Like, cause you know how that is. Like even yeah. at a road race, it's like, Oh man, that person's wearing alpha flies. It's like, I'm wearing, totally, yeah, yeah. Right? you know what I mean? <laughs> did, did you have those type of feelings? No, I actually only brought one pair of shoes. Um, like, this is I, it. I went minimal. I was like, you know what? Just, uh, just go with it. And, um, yeah, I, uh, and it's actually hard to see everyone's shoe at the start line because most people have gaiters on. So you have mm-hmm. no idea what they're actually wearing. Uh, you just see the gaiter. Um, but I mean, going into the race, I was I was happy with my selection. I was only like, <laughs> after the race, really it was only after talking to Mark um, where he, you know, noticed the the big difference between like how much surface area is on the, on the sole of the shoe that uh, I kind of realized like, yeah, maybe this wasn't the best choice. And maybe stack height keeps your a little bit mm-hmm. higher up so you're not like maybe not, i don't know would that matter at all because it's not like the this your actual foot isn't entering the sand as much the, because the, all the cushion taken oh, would that I, matter i don't think it would no um i'm because I'm, either way if your toes in it or if like it's it's all attached right you're gonna have to lift it up either way i don't i don't it's just not to get it covered way. i don't know maybe like Oh, I see. But it was deep enough where I don't think you're getting I covered. Mean, unless no you what. got like stilts on, I don't think that's anything. <laughs> right, right. Maybe alpha flies would have worked. They're stacked high enough. I would be very curious. I feel like the carbon plate would be the most useless thing in the world because <laughs> you're yeah. getting no propulsion. But um, <laughs> right. I was actually thinking I have a pair of uh, North Face carbon shoes. Um, How are those? I was, those new ones? Yeah, the new ones. They. I was actually going to wear them for Squamish, uh, but the verdict's still out. I don't think they're the best shoe, uh, personally. I think they would have been a good choice for that race in the sense that they're kind of wide at the base and they're fairly lightweight. For Abu Dhabi? Uh, for Abu Dhabi. The problem is they are very porous, and so I would have had to get mm-hmm. a gator for them. But mm-hmm. um, I think if given the choice of getting a gator, I think they would have been a, a smarter choice for sure. And what are those called again? Jeez. I can't, I can't even remember. Yeah. They, they, they um, came out with the, the North new, Face like... carbon shoe. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, um, it's, it's the only, it's, it's the only one. It's super expensive. It's the only carbon trail shoe they have on the market right now. I think. A carbon trail shoe just doesn't quite make intuitive sense to me. Like, unless the, the design of the plate in there is somehow like can, or like the, the way that the grooves are cut out to kind of help with the stability of it. I don't I really think, know. I believe with the North face, it's a, like, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's a prong. And so it provides a bit more uh, oh, okay. flexibility from side to side. I've, I see. Uh, that makes but sense. I, I still think like really when you look at a carbon shoe, it's all about propulsion and the softer the surface, the less feedback you're going to get from a, a carbon plate. And so I think unless you're running on like, and the North face, like that shoe, um, was kind of designed for like the North face 50, which is uh, like in San Francisco. And it's a very, it's pretty much run on like logging, like, like service roads the whole time. So oh, okay. very, very hard packed um, gravel. Yeah. Got it. Then you could probably even get away with a road shoe. You um, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, 
So as the race started, like I said, it's it's okay. This is immediately, and you said you went out pretty conservative. You you kind of put yourself yeah, in like place in mid pack fiftieth ish. Oh oh, you were that far back. Like from at the very start, it like quickly moved my way up to probably around thirtieth. Uh, okay, maybe top thirty, but um, yeah, in the first like five hundred meters, I was probably like at start at fiftieth. Yeah. And were you just thinking about your effort? Really? Like if I could just, I just need to keep it easy, make sure I'm not in too much pain. I, I just need to sh- make sure that I'm not going to rev up too much that I'm instantly underwater right from the start because you just, you just weren't confident in your fitness at that point. Or was it, or was it based on place where you're like, I just want to be in the top half and then we'll see how, how it goes in like the later stages. It was definitely the latter, but uh, the reason, like the the fact that I had no idea where my fitness is, was definitely mm-hmm. like, a contributing factor to the rational, which is what you what you said um, just now, which is like, I want to play it safe. Like, um, I don't want to crash and burn. It's it's sand, especially in the latter the latter half of that race. Like, people lost big chunks of time. Um, like, I think Atkins was probably only like ten minutes in front of me when we came back into the festival area and he ended up 40 minutes in front of me. So, and like for me, I, I didn't lose any places in that last half. Um, I pretty much <laughs> sat in the same spot. So he like, yeah. Um, blow ups could be like devastating. And do you yeah. think he hammered or do you think everyone else just died? Uh, well, like I was talking to him before the race and his intention was he was going to push hard from the gun and see if anyone could stay with him. And, uh, his plan was to try and break everyone <laughs> pretty much um but after talking to him after this he said he still had a lot in the tank going into the second half so i think it's a mix of i think sand really accentuates how much a small change in effort level uh-huh. has on actual how fast you end up going and so like it's the same with the woman like you look at the woman's results and i think five women beat my time like aside from atkins like three North American women were in the top five, in the top four of like the fastest people out there. And so like, uh, yeah, I, I think having that competitive side on the, on the second half, um, probably helped a lot of people at least at the front. I think so too. Like it's hard to like, because typically that wouldn't happen <laughs> you know it does happen no, in races but at a world championship it does, event, but at a world championship like i mean yeah Lindsay and any and like uh am i like they're amazing amazing athletes but they they have no business being like mark and logan and, and you yeah <laughs> and right. like, i mean it's like yeah it's um yeah i i i'm still trying to wrap my head around that but that was like that was the most incredible thing i think in the race I think that's, I think that's more the human component to it rather than like the fitness or like trying to explain it by biomechanics or of the race. It's just like they were involved in a race and it seems like everybody else is just surviving at a, at a point. Yeah. I'm almost speculating that, uh, they started half an hour after us and the sun did start setting the first hour. Um, probably around 45 minute point is when I started really overheating and I was a bit worried about that uh, because you have absolutely no shade out on that course Mm -hmm. and uh i think maybe just starting half an hour later allowed them to keep their internal temperatures down a bit more and maybe um maybe that contributed a bit as well i i have no idea but um or maybe they even just like cut portions off of the course for the the 
the, <laughs> just because it was getting have dark. To, have to look at the Strava. Um, I have not, but yeah, uh, yeah, right. I, I mean, it would be pretty clear if that was there. Yeah, I, I cut straight across something. <laughs> yeah, um, just just avoid that part. Yeah, don't worry about it. That's true. The heat that the heat is a isn't isn't is a pretty decent explanation for, um, for those type of times. Um, how 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 was the the climbs then? Like, were you able? And how engaged were you? Were you getting engaged in race? In, in like, you, look, you moved up. You finished twenty first, right? Yeah, twenty first. Which, all in all, is better than you did in Tahoe last time. Yeah, you know what? Um, overall, like mistakes were made, but it's like I'm pretty happy with how, yeah. how I finished. <laughs> What's yeah. your best? Like, you you had a, a surprise, like not a surprise, but like in like your early early Spartan, didn't, weren't you like fifteenth or sixteenth? I was 18th the first year I ever did it, um, mm. and that was my second ever Spartan race. And I was actually, I think, in the top 10 going into the bucket carry, uh, which mm. crushed me. And then I did 90 burpees on the last three obstacles. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of funny how how that's worked with me. Um, but honestly, like where my fitness and like just get, given like the course, like 21st, I'm I'm fine i'm fine with that i'm not going to complain for sure yeah were you battling were you battling like on those climbs and stuff or was it ever you and the and the people you were racing with or was it always just you and the sand i would say me and the sand it was like i couldn't imagine battling someone else because just battling myself and the sand was like more than i could handle <laughs> uh, it was it was crazy and um like the, the the people around me they were it was so weird they were I've never seen that much jostling in a race before where like people, people go in front of you, like they go in front of you and you're like, Oh, I'm never going to see that person again. He's like, he looks fresh. Uh, and he's, and he's moving faster than I could ever imagine to run. And then like five K later, he's lying in the sand <laughs> and you're like, are you okay, buddy? And then like five minutes later, he's running by you again. And so it's, it's like, I, I don't know. It's such a, such a weird course. And I kind of knew coming in, like, you know, the most interesting part I think is just looking at the results because it's like, I feel like it's almost like a magic eight ball kind of thing. Like maybe not with the top guys, but there is like, there's a lot of factors that if you, if you tweak a bit, like it's going to really change things up there. So it was wild watching it just like on athletes and seeing us going through. It's like, like in eight and like eight and then 16th, like when Mark started coming in, you were kind of right in that area too. And it's like seeing like, and then where Hosick was and then like, uh, like, uh, Albert Soleil moved way up somehow. And like just this whole, and like the time gap got really crazy. Like you said, I was like, Oh my God, like this is crazy. Really place, stretching out like 16, 17 minutes behind Atkins. Like that's, I, yeah, I don't know. Like you look at that result and you think like, the sport is like a joke and you know, <laughs> race like, like that's like 15 percent slower like fourth place than the, than the winning time like or maybe right. you probably maybe think like 20 percent like... but uh yeah probably over 20 percent actually um and that's right that's that like... seems just absurd right it shouldn't be like, that way. the difference between like a world-class like on on the track and like a rec guy is like that much <laughs> and like totally that, that's a great point yeah Crazy. between yeah, yeah the at like a diamond league event first place to 12th place and like the 1500 is like two seconds you know so uh, that's a good point i didn't think of it that way um but yeah what was it like with the international field how was it did did you do you have have any sense for anybody was were you worried about it like like racing these guys who like might been might not have been super familiar to you 
Yeah, I, I think I made a point of, like I said before, just not caring at all. So nice. typically I'm, I'm pretty in, in all about, uh, you know, knowing the course, knowing the conditions, like constantly obsessively checking the weather, um, really trying to be dialed on, on who's running and everything. But, uh, I, I think just knowing where I was, I was like, you know, the best thing you can do is just come in ignorant. And, uh, I think in some ways, like I said before, it was, it was a good move. Um, the European guys were, were super strong. Um, it was cool to meet some of them for the first time. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like during the race, I had no idea who was around me. Um, I think I passed Ian at some point. <laughs> he was struggling out there. I could yeah. see like Jesse and Mark Logan up, up there. But uh, like aside from that, it was kind of just, just me out in the sand. Putting the head down. How were those climbs? Like was that just feeling miserable? That second climb was the, the only real visual one we got to see was through someone's live stream on instagram it was like after the spear throw and the, the i think what is it her or rope climb i think and then you kind of came back and you went up this massive dune yeah that like literally people were crawling up i was like what and it's either people were crawling as soon as it started and yeah. it was like a massive incline how, how was it going up those things was it like how did you feel on that Terrible, actually. Uh, <laughs> it was um, like, I know everyone was in the same boat. I, I ended up burping the spear, uh, which, uh. which is like the worst possible place to put a spear throw because you come out, out of it a bit anaerobic and then all of a sudden you go into this like terribly steep. Like I'm, I, I was thinking about after the race, I, I almost feel like the best move on a sand dune like that is to like power for like 20 seconds, literally stop and catch your breath for 20 seconds and then power on. Because like you're going to make so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tabata it. Um, because you're going to make so much more progress than like slowly putting one foot. It's sliding down uh, to virtually where the other foot is. And then taking another step. You're, you're, you're like inching two inches at a time up that. And and like you're putting power in. So it's like it just seems. Com I would love to have just tried to run up that at like full intensity and seeing how long it would take. Because I bet it would be probably literally a quarter of the time of the pace I went in the race. Which, which is like the equivalent of if you're running a flat race and you're running like 320Ks, that's running at like car speeds. <laughs> like the difference, like the factor faster. So it was yeah. like bound. Like I wonder if that'd be even better if you just jumped with both feet to try to make more progress than. Well, I, I watched one guy and he was like literally like running on all fours up and like he was only able to do it for 10 seconds, but like he made some serious progress. So, I mean, he probably made, yeah as much progress in that 10 seconds as someone would in 40. So, and you figure everybody with the exception of, I don't know, maybe a couple athletes, but we're probably figuring out what the best way to do that was in that moment. Right. <laughs> totally. It's like, all yeah. right, I have no idea how to do here. So, I mean, it's something said for the, for the experience on that. Um, what do you, would you, if this was held again there, would you go back at the same venue? No, no, not at the same venue. Why not? no interest. <laughs> it's uh it's a one and done. It was it was a great experience. Um it's not it's not my element. I know even like if I was fit, even if I was trained for it, uh like I'd be I'd be lucky to get top 10. And um you know like that's good, but uh a trip like that it takes a toll on your body too. Mm -hmm. Um and uh I just don't think it'd be worth it. It sort of sounds like next year it might be more in the mountain region. 
um, which would actually be way more up my alley, uh, in which case I would definitely be interested in going back. But if it's back at the, uh, the Lewa desert, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> that was, that was another thing where when I was watching the live stream, I was just like, this doesn't seem like an appropriate venue for like fitness. <laughs> and I know like everybody's doing the same thing and the, and the winners, like we're probably the people who should have won, you know, totally. like you yeah. can't, you can't say or anything against that or the top, you know, top three to five, but it just didn't seem like an appropriate venue to me in terms of like for a championship result. Yeah. I don't know. Like what I, I would agree. Um, I think it was pretty epic in right. that sense. Uh, it was pretty cool, but uh, you, you just like, you're thinking like it was just too desolate or like, no, just like it was just so different that like how can it can that be how can that determine our champion how can that determine who the best are sports in when it's just like completely different than anything else anyone has ever seen and yeah like all these courses there's there's every like tahoe is also not a great venue either because it's like mountainous in uh, at altitude right yeah. like and that's not necessarily fair for a lot of athletes who don't have access to something like that this was okay because no one really had that type of access. Like the best athletes in the world and uh, in, in, in obstacle course racing don't necessarily have that with them, mm-hmm. but so it made it, it evened everything, but I was just like, it just didn't seem like a great place to showcase any type of fitness. Like, yeah, there were, like it seemed to me like the fitness part was almost out the window because of how wacky it was. Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. It, it's almost a different sport uh, when you put it in the sand. It's not, Sand running is not normal running and it really does cater to a, a certain type of athlete. And so it's um, not to use that as, as an excuse, but um, definitely some, some people came into it uh, just with a natural inclination for that. Mm. Whereas others didn't. And uh, I agree. If, if you're looking for the best athlete in like a, a Spartan race, you should try and find something that, a typical Spartan race would do. And that's not run 20 K into town. <laughs> but at the same time, like every Spartan race is different, right? You know, like they're all like blue mountain to red deer, like they're different Spread. courses, you know? So totally. no, no one Spartan race is actually is, is the same. So if that's what the sport is going for, at least Spartan, the Spartan race brand of it is kind of that, like, be prepared for everything like that CrossFit model, like be prepared for the unknown and the unknowable. And like, we'll just see how everything comes out. It's like, okay. But to me, if I know if I was there, I'd be like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, and it's like you said, like to go back, you, I would imagine if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, well, I need to prepare. And like, I don't want to train doing like sand dunes. And like, I don't feel like it'd be hard to figure out how to, train for something like that because no one has access to 900 foot sand dunes you know so it'd just be a kind of a guessing game be like i don't know maybe yeah biking more or jacob's ladder type of stuff like what is it yeah. actually going to help <clears throat> I don't know. yeah i i would be curious if there was much research into into sand running and exactly like the running economy uh behind it and like training philosophy just because it's such a such a foreign uh it's so foreign to most people. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine there's much research involved in that. So mm-hmm. it might be interesting. I'm, I'm always eager to like, if you can get an edge over someone, uh, I mean, 
why not why not take the opportunity to to look for new ways to to train to like get the edge in in a, in a situation like that and so uh but again it's 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 not not something I would want to do again. <laughs> well, like I said, one and done. It seems like it's going to be a good story. The photos are epic. It looks crazy. It looks 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 like it was a worthwhile trip for the sake of a trip. Which how like a lot of Spartan racers approach this sport. They do it because of the venues and seeing how pretty it is and just going places where it might not go. But for championship event, I don't. Love it. But that's just me. Totally. So you're going to shut it down now. What do you got next? Well, I'm actually just wrapping up again uh, because of the injury. I had a month off. Uh, and so I don't actually know what's next for me. I applied for Chuckanut 50. It's a 50K in Washington, a couple hours south of where, I, where I'm now. Um, uh, it's a pretty runnable 50K. And so I'd like to see how I could do at that. That's, I think, at the beginning of March. It's, a, it's still on trail, though. It's on trail, yeah. Uh, and so I might do that, um, probably slowly ramp up the miles, maybe try, try for a fast 5k, maybe try and break 1530 sub 32, 10k would be nice. Um, and I, I think like going into the spring, those are kind of be the focuses. And then once like the Spartan calendar gets finalized, uh, maybe jump into a couple of us series races, depending on, um, where the pandemic is and how much it's going to cost me to get down there. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I really haven't made up my mind exactly what the plan is going to be next year. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of just digging, getting a bit of momentum behind me again uh, with the, with the training. Sort of, it's been a, it's been a long long fall season for me in racing, and mm -hmm. so I'm I was at the end like not burnt out, but definitely like happy. I, like I wasn't eager to train, so right. I, I was. It was nice to get some time off, and I think just to. Just rather than focus on a race, just focus on running for running's sake. It's going to be nice for a bit. It's what you like to do. Yeah. Go out some trails. Got the GoPro on. Catch some bears. You know it. Oh, Always looking for that. those bears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. How do you feel about your season overall? Uh, I'd probably give it like overall probably like an A minus. Um, I think uh, like had a really good training block in the summer finished second at Canadian mountain running nationals, mm. won the Canadian Spartan series. I won the, uh, the North American golden trail series race in Whistler. And so, I mean, just those three alone are like enough to be like, yeah, that was a solid season. Um, where's the world went all right, obviously not. Like, yeah. Where's, where's the minus here? It sounds like an A. Uh, just because, because of the, the, the knee injury, um, in Squamish 50, in I, Squamish. I, I DNF'd at Squamish 50. Uh, right wanted wanted to want to win that one and was aiming for the course record so uh, a bit disappointed about that and then obviously that affected the blue mountain race um and then yeah i don't know it, it was it was solid but uh always finished. little things the like i don't want to give myself yeah. an a plus because then why would you do what else would you, you do can now? always do better yeah <laughs> yeah no i get that and like the, <laughs> the split between you know the decision between doing the squamish one and uh, the blue mountain, it was like the, like uh, two races that were kind of like pulling at your heart, right? The Squamish one was just like really meaningful, you know, to, to kind of go after and hit. And it was just that, that's unfortunate that that was the race that did end up hurting you and kind of, and cause yeah, who knows how blue mountain goes with the way, with the way your fitness was and, and that kind of course would have lined up really well for you to, 
So, because you ended up third at that, right? Jesse got in front of you? Third at that, yeah. 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 I mean, Jesse and Atkins are a long way, but uh, again, I mean, there's obviously some complications going in. Would have been really cool. I mean, Atkins obviously was was far from his best going into that race, coming off like the the Spartan games. Spartan games, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't really use the excuse myself, but I, I would have loved to have gone 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 at him head to head, both fresh. But uh, yeah, yeah, maybe another chance next year. All right, A minus makes sense. Yeah, I'll accept it. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, cool, dude. Well, I'll make sure to connect all the socials and all that. But it's been it's been fun this year. Oh, and when you're nursing an injury, let me know so I don't draft you in my Spartan, oh no my Spart- Spartan fantasy. No, I was one of your picks. Taking my guy here, I was like, dude, it's a beast. Oh, no, he's running oh, 100 no. mile weeks. He's crushing national ch- national champ up there. Can climb. Didn't know he was hurt. I did not realize. I'm that would so, be nice to know. I'm, so you can just talk, just tell I'm me. So sorry. I need yeah. to know that. I just need to know stuff. Have other people draft you, sandbag their team, not my team. That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Rich.